You're listening to the Lucas Italy podcast with food, culture and history from the land of spaghetti and Sofia Loren. I'm Luca Marchiori and this week I'll be talking about a huge Italian festival which is still relatively unknown outside Italy. When I was a kid, I used to get an obscene amount of Christmas presents from my parents. And every year, my father would tell me, oh, you're a really lucky kid because I never got any presents on Christmas when I was a child. One year, my mother was standing behind him and she said, no, that's because his generation got all their presents on the 6th of January. The 6th of January in Italy is known as the Festa della Befana. La Befana herself is a witch who flies on a broomstick during the night of the 5th of January and she leaves sweets for good children in their stockings or shoes and brings coal for kids who've been bad. There's a nursery rhyme which Italian kids sing about her, which is La Befana vien di notte con le scarpe tutte rotte, con le toppe alla sotana, viva viva la Befana, which means La Befana comes at night with her shoes all broken, with patches on her skirts, long live La Befana. In modern Italy, the northern tradition of Santa Claus has been completely absorbed. So modern Italian children get two bites of the cherry to be naughty or nice. Once to be judged by Santa Claus and once to be judged by La Befana. And I wonder if they ever disagree. Many people assume that La Befana is just a female variant on Father Christmas or Santa Claus. However, they'd be wrong because the tradition and the festival of La Befana is much older than Santa Claus. It's actually much older than Christmas and is possibly one of the oldest traditions in Europe. It all started with the ancient Roman celebrations connected with the winter solstice on the 21st of December. Originally, this festival was associated with Janus or Janus, the god of the doorway. The winter solstice itself was seen as a kind of doorway looking back to the old year and forward into the new year. If you look at a statue or a depiction of the god Janus, he usually has two heads, one looking forward and one looking backwards. Both of the heads are male, and in fact they're identical to each other, but it's thought that in the past one of the heads was female. This depicted, therefore, not one god, but two gods, one male and one female, called Janus and Jana, or Janus and Jana. Jana later developed into Diana or Diana, who was one of the oldest female Roman gods. Diana became associated with a whole host of things, from hunting to the moon, um, but mostly she was considered a goddess of fertility, nature and agriculture. The ancient Roman celebration of the winter solstice later developed into a huge festival known as the Saturnalia, which started on the 17th of December and finished on the 25th. And the 25th of December became a really important festival known as the Dies Natalis Solis Invicti, the birthday of the invincible sun. Now, all the fields had been ploughed in the autumn and at this point were laying fallow and empty, waiting for the seeds to grow in the spring. And it was believed that 12 days after the sun's birthday, The goddess Diana and her nymphs flew over all the fields, blessing them and making them fertile for the spring to come. 
12 days after the 25th of December is obviously the night of the 5th, 6th of January. Now, another tradition, which was part of the Saturnalia, was that of presenting gifts to the Roman emperor, but also exchanging gifts between friends and family. The original people of Rome were a mixture of Roman men and Sabine women, um, women from a tribe that lived in the hills around modern Rome. And originally, there were two kings, the Roman Romulus and the Sabine Titus Tasius. And the gift-giving tradition is said to have begun when at one point Titus Tasius was presented with a gift of branches from the sacred grove of the goddess Strena, one of the main goddesses of the Sabine people. And it's really interesting to note that in modern Italian, the word Strena means Christmas present. When Christianity came along and Rome, Italy and the rest of the Roman Empire became Christianized, many of the old pagan festivals became converted into Christian ones. The 25th of December, which was the son's birthday, then became Jesus's birthday, what we now know as Christmas. In fact, dies natalis in Latin means birthday and Christmas in modern Italian is simply called Natale. The 6th of January, therefore, became associated with the event in the Gospels where the three kings come and offer gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh to the baby Jesus. It became known as the Feast of the Epiphany, which comes from the Greek word for manifest, because it was on this day that Jesus first manifested himself to the world in the shape of the three kings. But belief in the goddess Diana and her nymphs flying over the fields on the night of the 5th and 6th of January was to die hard amongst the people. So these pagan goddesses soon became labelled by the church authorities as witches. In fact, Diana was already associated with the goddess Hecate, who was the Greek goddess of witchcraft. Of course, we all know that witches fly on broomsticks. And the broomstick was probably a memory of the sacred branches of the goddess Strena, which were presented to Titus Tasius as that first present. And what about that lump of coal? Well, bonfires had been a feature of the Saturnalia, and the Romans would have used charcoal in order to light them. And in Italian, charcoal and coal is the same word, carbone. The witch was then given a name, La Befana, which obviously derives from the word Epiphania, uh, the name of the festival. In medieval times, a new Christian legend was developed in order to justify the appearance of this witch on the 6th of January. The legend says that on the night of the 5th of January, the day before they arrived in Bethlehem, the three kings stopped to spend the night at the house of an old lady. This old lady treated them so well that in the morning, when time came for them to leave, the three kings invited her to go with them to Bethlehem to see the baby Jesus. The woman declined, saying that she was too busy, and the three kings went on their way. But a short time afterwards, she regretted her decision and ran out of the house looking for the three kings to ask them to take her with them. 
But unfortunately, by this point, the three kings were nowhere to be seen, and the old woman didn't know where they were going, so she had no way of finding them. The legend continues that this old lady never died, and in fact has spent the last 2,000-odd years looking for the baby Jesus. On the night of the 5th, 6th of January, she goes into people's houses looking for baby Jesus, and if she finds children asleep, she leaves them presents in their shoes or stockings. Now, the festival of La Befana is obviously very close to what happens in other countries at Christmas, with Santa Claus coming down the chimney and leaving presents in the stockings of good children and coal in the stockings of bad children. To me, there's obviously a link, but the question is, which came first? Santa Claus himself is based on St. Nicholas of Myra, uh, an early Christian bishop who lived in the 3rd and 4th centuries. It's interesting to note that St. Nicholas's festival is the 6th of December, whereas La Befana's festival is the 6th of January. And it's almost as if they've been mirrored as the beginning and the end of the Christmas season. Of course, we'll never know, and it's a bit like the story of the chicken and the egg, but it seems to me very interesting that all the common elements in the Santa Claus or La Befana tradition are things which have an explanation in the ancient Roman origins of La Befana. So what happens on the 6th of January today? Well, La Befana as a festival is still very, very popular in Italy, and children up and down the peninsula will wake up excitedly to see what La Befana has left in their shoes and stockings. Many cities often have very big festivals on the 6th of January as well, in which La Befana makes an appearance. In Rome, for example, there's usually a very big festival um, at the Piazza Navona, in other cities, La Befana herself is often flown in um, on ropes or on a wire over the town square. In Venice, there's also a regatta, a boat race, a rowing race on the Canal Grande, in which all the rowers are dressed up as La Befana. And what about traditional food? Well, as you might expect, most of the food which is associated with the Feast of La Befana is sweets, biscuits and cakes. Obviously, these have their origins in the sweet things that the Befana brings and leaves for the children. In Piemonte, in northern Italy, there is a traditional cake known as the Fugasa della Befana. Um, fugasa is the word for caccia, meaning flatbread in the local dialect. This is a sweet round flatbread in the shape of a flower, and inside it has candied peel. But hidden in the petals of the flower are two beans, one black and one white. Tradition says that if you have the white bean in your piece of fugasa, then you have to pay for the fugasa. And if you have the black bean in your piece of fugasa, then you have to buy wine for everybody. 
Now, this is obviously related to other European traditions that happen on the 6th of January or at Christmas time, such as the fèvre, um, which also comes from the word bean, which is usually a small ceramic object baked into the French galette des rois. It's also related to the British-English tradition of putting a threepenny bit Um, a three-penny coin in the Christmas pudding. Originally, this went into the Christmas cake, which was eaten on the 6th of January. And uh, nowadays, it's called Christmas cake. But in the past, it used to be called Twelfth Cake, because the 6th of January in England is known as Twelfth Night. And it's probably true to say that all these traditions of beans and coins and cakes go back to some tradition that took place during the Saturnalia festival in ancient Rome. In Tuscany, the traditional sweets to eat on uh, the Feast of La Befana are called Cavallucci di Siena. These are little biscuits made of walnuts and flavoured with aniseed. The name means little horses, but they don't really look like horses. And it's thought that the name derives from the fact that they used to be given out um, to people who were going on journeys on horseback. They're completely delicious. And later in the week, I'll be publishing a recipe for these on my blog. So look out for that. In Campania, the 6th of January is used for an excuse to eat the first pastiera napolitana of the year. The pastiera napolitana is usually associated with Easter, and it's a beautiful tart with sweet pastry filled with cooked grain and ricotta cheese, the ubiquitous candied peel, and flavoured with orange blossom water. Easter in Italian is called Pasqua, which derives from the word for passion. And um, the Neapolitans or the Campanians say that they eat the pastiera on the 6th of January because that's the first Pasqua of the year. It's the first festival um, celebrating an event in Jesus' life of the year. I was talking to a good friend of mine who was Neapolitan the other day, and he said that his family had already eaten the pastiera on the 1st of January because they just couldn't wait. If you go into any Italian food shop in the period between Christmas and the 6th of January, you'll find that they're full of models and dolls of the Bifana and of stockings filled with chocolates and, and all sorts of amazing things. I was in Castroni, which is a fantastic food shop in Rome, a rather historical shop. And there, the whole of the ceiling was strewn with these witches on broomsticks and the stockings. In fact, I'll post a picture on my blog so you can see what it looked like. And it it seems incredible to me that this festival, which is so big, so celebrated and so traditional in Italy, is relatively unknown outside Italy. Anyway, if you hear any bumps in the night on the 5th of January uh, when you go to bed, then you'll know that it's La Befana. And who knows, you may even find something nice in your shoes or stockings at the end of the bed. So thank you very much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe so that you get notifications when the next one is coming out. And I would really appreciate it if anybody feels like leaving a review on the Apple Store if you get your podcasts from iTunes. 
I've already had quite a few lovely reviews. And in fact, starting next week, I'm going to read some of the best ones out. So if you want to hear your review read out on this podcast, uh, get writing. All that remains for me is to say thank you once again. Have a great week and I'll see you all soon. Ciao.